0: Good morning. It is Friday. Finally, Friday. <sighs> Welcome to Humor, Grace and Grief with Jill
1: and Deb. Hi. Hi. What's on your heart today? What's What's going on in your world there,
0: Jill? Oh, my goodness. We have had quite a week around here. I was very, very um, blessed to be invited to speak for the um, Yom Kippur service at mm-hmm. our local temple on grief, and um, then last night I was on a Catholic radio show with Father John, so I sort of covered the whole spectrum in about twelve hours. Right, right, right. right. So Father John and I were talking about dementia because his is advancing. I give him so much credit for being willing to uh, to do his journey publicly
1: mm-hmm. and
0: both online and on the radio. So. And then lots of other stuff. And then oodles who have nightmares in the middle of the night. God. <laughs> Our um, poor baby who we just got like last year and she's, she woke up last night and just terror. screaming. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It took me five minutes to calm her down and get her heart rate down. Yeah. That's so, yeah. Even the so... babies have trauma.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At- actually, you know, you, you have to remember that when you take in uh, other pets that okay. you didn't raise as a puppy and, or as a kitten. And they have- Stuff. Stuff, yeah. Our Adele
0: used to have nightmares the first few months we had her. Mm-hmm. Um, she used to hide underneath a bookcase in my office. And the bookcase was only about that high and she was a big girl. She wow. would shove herself under there and then scratch like she was trying to dig out. Ah, uh, those uh, eventually receded, and she was able to relax. And she would actually, she used to sleep with her arms stiff, and
1: she eventually oh. was able
0: to relax a little bit. But Dolly has never done this before, it caught me off guard. She was out of it last
1: night. Mm, mm. It
0: wasn't a seizure, but it sure seemed like it for a little bit. Though.
1: Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So
0: how uh, about you? <laughs> you
1: know, um, a lot of different kinds of supporting this week. Uh, mm-hmm. Losses that you don't necessarily think of as loss, but they are. And uh, a dear friend of mine had a, uh, a double mastectomy. Oh, that's and a so- huge loss. That is. It's an amputation. Let's just call Double it for what it is. Double amputation, yes. Double amputation. I have, a,
0: and, I have a dear friend in Australia who had um, mm-hmm. that last year, and she would, she started calling it amputation, and people here went, what? We don't call it that. And she said,
1: yeah. that's what it is. But that, that's what it is. Let's just name it, that it is a loss of a body part that mm-hmm. you – so I, I consider it uh, sacred – when people allow me to be with them at when they take their bandages off for yes. the first time. And it's a sacred experience. And it's it's a witnessing. I'll never Still forget the first time with Linda. Right. Right, and we did right. three of those.
0: Right 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 yeah, it right. it is it's a here's here's what my
1: body's going to look like right look what they look what's missing look what's missing this is weird this doesn't look right and so for women that's partly how you're identified yeah right and then while they don't let you keep body tissue obviously um thinking of future uh, ritual to say goodbye. So, of course, there's some humor, and then there isn't, but um, I just I just felt like it was an honor and a privilege to witness Absolutely. and be part of that support. Um, another person I know, I, and this happens a lot, this has not happened with my mom, who wants the diagnosis of cancer and in my friend's case it's something else but all her friends feel the need to weigh in and say no we want you here because they think that's the thing and she wants fight, to fight, go fight, her fight, way fight. right and she Stop wants it. to go her way Yeah. and there's a certain sacredness i i feel once again in supporting people who choose not to do it this way, whatever that way is, whether Mm -hmm. it's, you know, go through one more chemo treatment, go through, and it's not a failure when you decide to, I'm done. Keep going, do what you want to do so you can have your quality of life and quantity of life as you want it and that's so you really smile
0: hard. and enjoy
1: life and
0: find those moments that are so precious and peaceful that you really can't right when you're waiting for the next chemo treatment or recovering from the last one or it's day
1: three and day three is always the worst
0: and in my some,
1: experience and dialysis if you go to dialysis that is a new lifestyle and maybe you don't want that lifestyle mm-hmm. or maybe there's some other procedure that you have to go every other week or radiation every day, every day. Maybe you don't want that and you get to pick that. So when we say our bodies respect it all as medical and that is for that person to decide, Right, respect it. And so, and then I can hear people saying, well, we don't want the vaccine. You know, I I hear that too. I don't want that. It's my body. If that's your choice, please do what you can to still keep yourself safe. And the rest of us. And the rest of the people safe. If that means wearing a mask, double mask 100% of the time then that's what you need to do so that you can't get, you know, nothing will be safe for you out there. You don't want to get vaccinated, stay home. There's a lot of things you can do from home. You don't have to, seriously. So I I respect our bodies and then you have to act accordingly. quite often when people say, well, it's my body, I don't want chemo or I don't want this. At the very last moment, they try to make a play and that doesn't work. No. So please discuss with your doctor what you want and the consequences, what you can expect, what you can do of in the future you know I, know I gotta say kaiser the kaiser system has a
0: um which i'm a member of has um an advanced directive document and uh-huh. it's i think about eight pages long and i really like it because even though i'm quite clear i i just need a piece of paper and i can write everything down i know exactly what i'm gonna want right other people are not uh-huh. and most people don't think about end of life like you and i do and are and are I not know. accepting of this is just part of what happens in this world and in our journeys Mm -hmm. from start to finish. But this document talks about, you know, talk about the best day you could ever have. Talk about what really matters to you. Mm -hmm. What do you want to be remembered for? What kinds of relationships, which ones are important to you? All of this goes in this written document in your medical record. And then Mm -hmm. at the end, it says, now we need you to make some decisions. If this happens, do you want this, this, or this, right? All the usual kind of pulsed mm-hmm. questions, but different. Mm-hmm. And I I really like that approach because lots of us who do death and dying, end of life, grief and loss, we're used to having these conversations.
1: Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. amazing
0: how many people are not. Right, And so for them to be able to think that through, and if they are unconscious, for their families to have access to that. It's right. it's just an amazing thing. And it, I think it actually includes the language, um, "natural de- allow natural death,
1: which mm-hmm. I really like, because mm-hmm. that
0: should be what those forms are called. They should not be called DNRs, <laughs> right? And that's where, at the very beginning, if someone is facing a treatment program, there should be that really clear conversation <laughs> where a physician or provider gives you the time that you need to express yourself and bring your humor in and bring your, you know, what right. my gusto is in life to make the decisions. So if your doctor doesn't allow it, make sure they do lock the door,
1: block it, sit in front of it, whatever you got to do. You know, they call it DNR because it doesn't say death. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> That's why they call it. Let's soften it one more way. And I I get that people uh, they don't want to say the words. They but it's, it's the reality. And then there's people that say, "Well, I'm praying." Yes, and good. that's good support. Yes, and <laughs> and then what are we going to do with that? Right, you know. What are we it, praying for? And you can pray for a miracle. All I know is I'm not in charge of that department. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) yeah, I have an extended
0: family member right now who's on hospice, I Mm -hmm. sort of facilitated getting in there. And the family members are now putting up, you know, requests for prayer and support, which is perfect. Mm -hmm. But probably half the people are going, now they've been told end of life hospice, no way out of this one, you know, praying for that miracle, Right, right.
1: Stop it. You know, always know the energy goes. Your prayers never just dissipate. They go where they're needed. Did I ever tell you about uh, this person that came to our church? Maybe I did, and she was in a really, really horrible car accident, just horrible. And so she was in a coma, the doctor said she would never walk or talk again. And here she is standing in front of our church with a cane uh, covering up her trach. And she told this story and I'm, I'm distilling it down, but basically it was this, that while she was in her coma, that she could feel everybody's prayers wow. because they were in like in a picture. And when she was weak, the picture would pour out all these little lights on her. And I have never forgot that. It's like, gives me a visual. What a that when, visual ideas, idealization of what they're intended for. And, you know, when someone asks you to pray for so-and-so on, uh, Facebook, you don't need a five-minute prayer. You just have to say mm-hmm. inside of yourself one word, peace, right. healing, so, sense wholeness. Of and that goes out into the universe because your thoughts are energy. And we could get into a whole other program like that. But your thoughts are energy. And when you put that out, it surrounds that person. However, it is, and this is my belief system. You know, someone else, you know, might use other words. But what a beautiful! I just, I always thought that, you know, pouring them out, they're held till they're needed. The energy always goes where it's needed, and it helps the person sending, and it helps the person receiving. That's right. You're and never it helps that the
0: family system to know there's a support system out there. Right. Right. It's important. Just stop people. Stop telling people to fight when you don't know if that's what they want. Maybe what they really want is to get to peace. Right. I've had this conversation with a lot of folks recently who have Mm -hmm. ended up going home with loved ones from the hospital Mm -hmm. and no one at the hospital has told them in those words that this is the end. Your loved one is dying. Right. This is not palliative care. This is hospice. This is what to expect. And it seems like every discipline thinks another discipline is having that conversation. Right. And nobody does. And then hospice gets delayed because, you know, COVID or f- fires or floods or, and the family's just left. Like we don't even know what's coming. Right. Deer in the
1: headlights. You know, if, if somebody, anybody along that, trail of people in the medical profession can say, did they talk to you about dying?
0: Right. If we can just from date of diagnosis onward, you know, expect Mm -hmm. that our providers, so folks, if you're listening, if you are anywhere in an illness process,
1: Mm -hmm. make
0: sure your provider is telling you what to expect in realistic terms. Mm-hmm. And make sure your family's aware of it so that you can make plans plus or minus, but you need to be able to know what you've got to work with.
1: Right? You know, even, you know, on those uh, forums of people who are in hospice or palliative care or whatever, which are different, you have every right to say, if something comes up, can I call you any mm-hmm. And, Likely they'll say yes. However, they're forgetting or it's not always the provider's fault. you got to understand when you're absorbing everything, there's a lot of information. And the truth be told, have you ever died before? Has this particular (laughs) loved one ever died? So your brain is sort of messed up and you're not on both sides. The the, the provider is...
0: You know, they're used to seeing this. They're forgetting that Uh this family has not done this, especially with this person. That's right. It would be awkward if they'd done it with this person before anyway, right? Because we usually only get one exit. But, you know, there's a lot of assumptions and not enough question asking and information providing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the person who's so sick or like Father John has dementia, you know, they hear people, even other medical people saying, you know, I'm not so sure that's true. You know, you're doing pretty good. Let them tell you how they're feeling and what they're experiencing, and take that as fact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't argue. Your friend would not have wanted someone arguing when you were first standing there with her as she was seeing what had happened to her body.
1: Right. She right.
0: Someone to absorb that space with her.
1: Yes. I'm so glad it was you. Yeah i I've done that for another and another, and all Mm -hmm. I got to say is, uh, it's thank you for letting me share that space. And I honor that loss, however it needs to be told, it's a loss. And on a humorous note, which is off the subject, I was just, I don't know how many of our listeners remember watching Friends or if they ever did, but I never did in the 90s because I was busy working and full time and all this stuff. So I'm watching it now. And Phoebe comes home from the, hospi- from the hospital. Well, why? Oh, my grandmother was there. Well, why? Well, now she's dead. And so <laughs> she t- she tells this, she says it like this. I remember the last words my grandmother said to me. and. And Monica says, what's that? And she said, "Uh, oh, I need to pick up the yogurt fell. I need to pick it up. And so she bent over to pick it up. And that's when she died. But she said to Phoebe before, while she was there, I'll meet you at the checkout counter. And Phoebe goes, we all meet at the checkout counter. (laughs) In the end, yes. (laughs) So it went something like that, but I just, Mm -hmm. I just giggled, you know, the ultimate checkout counter.
0: So. Yeah. I love that show has so many really in your face kind of moments. Some of it's really, really sketch now, but they had a moment where um, two other characters lost their grandmother at the hospital and she was dying and they were outside and they went in and the nurse said, Oh, she's gone. She's just died. So they went up and told the parents and then they went back in and grandma was breathing again. And yeah. they just called it too soon. Shane Stokes were taking it really long. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody freaked out. And then she died again. They're like, are you sure? Are we really sure? Grandma, are you really dead now? Right? <laughs> that happens sometimes. You right. know, you, just, you can't, Not everything is Hallmark picture perfect. Ah, uh, no, no.
1: Um, and that's actually happened within my purview of being a nurse and having to uh, declare someone dead. Mm -hmm. I mean, the corner ultimately comes in, but
0: I'll, I'll tell you, I. Our nurses always took their time making sure that there was no sign because our bodies are as unique
1: and mysterious as they've ever been, no matter how much we know about them. They are. And Mm -hmm. um, I don't mind saying Having this person sit up in bed, which is an autonomic response, after I had just declared them dead, that was a little freaky, even for me. Okay. I mean, I was very calm, but this is what the body does. And it's it's sort of bizarre. And, uh, you know, you all like them to just go slip away, right? But Not sometimes so weird sometimes. stuff happens.
0: Right, right. Yeah. I've been with lots of families at the end of life and, you know, they'll say, how do you know? And I'm like, honestly, you just got to sit for a minute. And some of them are like, you know, my sense of humor, it would be just like her to come back for a moment just to see if we were still here. Right. And to hear right. what we were saying. Right. So, you know, when we're declaring, I'm like, now make sure you're still talking nice just in case, because you don't want her to come back and hear you talking smack, you know, because you have to have some humor at that moment.
1: Our um, anatomy physiology teacher said, it used to be when you're cold and dead. Now, especially in the Midwest, it's when you're warm and dead. Because freezing temperatures can slow your body. You could think that the person is dead. And yet, when they warm up in that body bag, when the coroner comes and the bag starts Oh, that does not happen in
0: California. I'm so I know, but it that.
1: happens in the Midwest. And okay. So when
0: anybody he, listening, I'm 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 dying in California or someplace warm. That's just all there is to it.
1: Uh, yeah, kiddos, yeah.
0: listen up, right?
1: Oh, I know, I know. I, I, that is to the advantage of when people have fallen in Lake Michigan. Yep. You think they're dead? They drown. And yet their body functions are really, really low mm-hmm. and they come back. So. Yeah. We've yeah. not had that happen
0: out here. I'm, I'm so very pleased. <laughs> We're not going to. Right. The families get traumatized enough. We don't need to add that. I lunch. know.
1: I know. But right? I'm just saying different climates have uh, different mm-hmm. sayings. So. Yeah. Wow. So what else is going on? Can you. Talk a little bit. I'm I'm very curious myself about the grief and the letting go. I can talk about Yom Kippur, which is a way. Um, so there's Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And you grew up Jewish, right? No, I grew up congregational. My sister's okay. Jewish.
0: Yeah, that our it. church is very close to the temple, so I, I know some. I okay, do not, I do not claim to know as much as one
1: could. So what, let me just explain to our listening audience that the 10 days of the holiest days of the year in the Jewish religion, and there was Rosh Hashanah. It's where you're welcoming in the harvest and new beginnings and sweetness and prosperity. New year. And then through that time, you sort of... um atone for your sins, ending on Yom Kippur, where you fast, as many religions fast for purification, it's a letting go. Yes. And it's an atonement. You'll see across Facebook, uh, if I have wronged you, I, I ask for forgiveness. and it, mm-hmm. And it goes through that.
0: And so I didn't the- realize those were called the days of awe. And I, I really like that. It's the it's mm-hmm. ten days of awe, and I, I really I like that conceptualization that as you are atoning and as you are letting go of the last year and and bringing with you the the losses that you've had and ascribing them to the book of life, so you can move into the new year. Mm-hmm. I like that that idea of the awe.
1: Mm-hmm. And if you wouldn't mind, what did you talk about on the holiest day of the year with grief?
0: You know, I have to tell you, I never struggle with writing a presentation. Right. And it was like pulling teeth this week. It, I finished it an hour before I did it. I I woke up dreaming about because I don't, you know, you don't want to mess things up for an entire temple. Right. And I know a lot right. of members of the temple, so I don't want to fall on my face and I don't want to do them a disservice, probably equally, mm-hmm. to be honest. And mm-hmm. I knew several of them were experiencing losses right now. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make sure that I drew in those folks and gave them some language so Mm -hmm. that they could say the things they need to before those deaths occur. And I wanted to make sure that I was giving some hope and some light and some ways to say goodbye to those that I knew had lost people and there had been some conflict. And then we Mm -hmm. had a, a sweet lady there who had just lost her aunt that day. And Ouch. if you die on, if you die on Yom Kippur, it's a special blessing. Mm-hmm. And and there's a special name for that. who I cannot remember to save my life. But so I, I wove in how to finish grief, what holds people in grief, what grief does to you physically, mentally, emotionally. I left the spiritually out and um, I figured the rabbi could take that one on. And I um, you know, a little bit of education so that people mm-hmm. could comment in saying, I didn't realize that. Like this is this is real. When you say you're tired because you're grieving, you're tired because you're grieving. Your brain is actually functioning differently. You're not thinking as clearly, you're not communicating as well. You are a mm-hmm. whole lot snappier than you usually are. You know, mm-hmm. grandma might bite your head off and she might usually be Bubba, right? But now she's something else with another beat, Right. So um I did that thing. And then I talked about how to take folks with us and how to have that accurate memory so that you can remember them for who they really were. All of them, mm-hmm. all of what they were. And I used some examples um, and many of them knew, you know, of me or knew me. So they knew some of those things. Yeah. And it it turned into a good conversation. It was going online live. It was on the chat room. The rabbi was, you know, in, was entertaining questions. So it was a, it was a really interactive hour. Wow. That's beautiful. It was. And, and it finished nicely. And I think it, I try, I finished it with some thoughts about, you know, when we are entering a new year and we're we're taking those people with us and Mm -hmm. this has been another loss for all of us. I talked about the unnamed losses because Mm -hmm. this is all online.
1: Mm -hmm. You
0: know, this time last year, everyone thought they'd be together this year. And now we're back online again. Yes. And Satyrs didn't happen together because they couldn't, right? And so those who have had losses again this year have also done those alone. Right. And that makes it the impact so much harder. And these are some ways to get around that. And then I finished with some self-care, which included Mm -hmm. a picture of Doug, because I think everyone should have a pound puppy. (laughs) Right?
1: Of course. And it's very normal in your household to do that that's right that's talked about going for walks getting some exercise
0: (coughs) you know journaling all the things that we should do and go to the Mm -hmm. doctor because if you've had a loss Mm -hmm. you need to get to the doctor and there are several people acknowledging that but I also talked about anticipatory grief and how that can help with people who've had a loss if they're able to do that ahead of time and and I know with one person, it reached them. And, and so there's some mm-hmm. conversation going on about that. To me, that was all that was worth it. I got one person who's gonna be able to say the things before their loved one dies.
1: Hey, that's, that, that's gold. That's gold. When right. that, it, to be given that opportunity because so many people, you know, die immediately. You weren't expecting right. it. You talked to them yesterday and they're gone today. Yeah. And uh, so I we
0: talked about losses from divorce. One person mm-hmm. didn't know she was getting divorced and then she was divorced mm-hmm. in the middle of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, those sorts of things. So we're going to we're working on having someone coming in to speak into divorce and loss for our program. Right. Oh, Good. Good. And then we're working on some other speakers so or, or guests. So we'll have a, a variety of them. Um, mm-hmm. I'm working right now on finding a death doula who wants to come visit us too. Oh, okay. I think that would be a really cool thing. To I have.
1: actually, uh, I might be able to help you out with that. Not me, but someone that is affiliated. With... I was hoping you'd say that. Yes. because <laughs> I, think, I think the people
0: who watch us are interested in death and dying, grief and loss. And right. a death doula is someone who makes that, that creates that support system. And, mm-hmm. and we want to be able to provide that. So if we can give you some more resources and tools, right. so much the better.
1: Right. I'll reach out and see if she's willing to come on our show. I know I have a, a friend that is willing. She wasn't able to do it this month. But to talk about maybe the difference in uh, loss, a uh, death. From uh overdose. That and would be wonderful. Yeah, yeah. How how do you speak to? How have you spoken to? And um so there's yeah. that person.
0: And then we have somebody who's gonna come on and talk about how people who are not neurotypical, the neurodivergent population, mm-hmm. deals with grief and mm-hmm. how emotions are different and, and need to be connected a little differently. I'm not gonna speak for him because Joel is wonderful and he has all mm-hmm. the right words. And mm-hmm. then Amarette's gonna come in and talk about dealing with grief when you have ADHD because that's a different experience.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes,
0: right? yes. So we have some interesting people, folks.
1: I also have a friend that's gonna come in and talk. She does uh uh not mediumship in the regular way, like you would think that she just will talk about the people around you, but she uses her tarot cards mm-hmm. for what is the message. And then she uses that to hook in to the people. So people that seek out uh, mediums or, or however they seek out for a message from beyond. That's well that's above really, 60% of grievers. Yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. important. It that, is because we need to normalize that because most people try that. <sighs> And how many people think the grieving are crazy because they hear their loved ones' voice or they go, I think I just felt your hand. Right. They're not crazy.
0: No, they're not. They did feel their hand. That's and right. So w- w- we're gonna talk about that because that's there's lots of research on it and it's it's important right. that we that we normalize it and find right. the joy in people who are able to find those people and, and uh-huh. reach out to them. Um, mm-hmm. And also talk about what it's like to be the person that they don't reach out to, right? Because that's, that's a cause for some of the anger during grief is that someone's not reaching out
1: or they're not or, feeling it. Or, you know, they're mad at others because they haven't reached out because you don't have the energy to. Right. Like, right. I did this for you. How come you can't do this for me? Right. Right.
0: right, So we've got lots of people, and folks, if you want other kinds of guest speakers other than divorce loss, uh, ADHD and loss, neurodivergence and loss, mediumship and loss, um, then let us know and we will bring them in because we're old mm-hmm. and we know everybody. And if <laughs> we don't know them, we know somebody who knows
1: someone. Right, right. <laughs> the, right. the gray
0: hair that I'm hiding and, and Deb has beautiful, we can actually find people. And and we will bring them in. Okay.
1: All right. All right. So
0: next week we may have a speaker. We may not, depending on the calendar, but we'll both be here.
1: Sounds great. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.